Everybody's unmoved because they was too busy going trick-or-treating last night, wasn't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't got no business doing trick-or-treating. I, I mean, I figured it was tight on here already. Just might as well just go ahead and kill the service altogether. Uh, it was crippled. It was crippled on one crutch, and I just put a bullet in its head, just put it out of its misery. Amen. You ain't got no business trick-or-treating. Oh, what's wrong with trick-or-treating? It's Halloween. What's wrong with Halloween? You can't look at all the goblins and ghosts and death and graveyards. You can't figure out what's wrong with it? I know, I know. Some of you was uptown last night probably. Up here. Trick-or-treat, smell my feet. Mm-hmm. So you come into church on Sunday morning. Can I ask you something? If it's just about candy, if it's just about candy, what's keeping you from going to the store today? And getting Halloween candy on sale. It ain't about candy, is it? It's about you want to do whatever you want to do. Amen. Amen. I was raised. I was raised. We we never did Halloween. Why you got to talk about this? Because you you tight. I mean, it's a little. little I mean, it did loosen up for a real good bit there, and then it just kind of. <laughs> you were riding a boat. I remember being out on a boat one day with my dad, and. Uh, I don't like deep sea fishing. Brother Chris loves it, and I, I pray God let him catch all the fish that I could have caught. I don't like it. I want to be close enough that if something takes place, I can swim to shore. Amen. And, and anything more than 10 feet is about too far for me. <laughs> as much as shape as I try to get into a stick, I'm not in shape enough to swim more than about 10 or 15 feet. But anyways, I was out on a boat one day with my dad. I think this is the thing that destroyed it for me. And we got out there, and the wind started kicking up real bad. And, you know, you get crossways. You know, the waves are going, and you get crossways with those things, and that boat starts going like this. One, one uh, uh, we had Brother Eddie Story with us, and he was up there on the front of the boat, bow, stern, port, whatever it is. He was up there on the front. That's what I know. I'm a land dweller. I don't belong on no boat. But anyways, I fish from the shore when I fish. Uh, he was standing up there, and we went down into one of those little swells there, and the whole wave came up over the front of the boat. It was a good-sized boat. It wasn't huge, but it was a good size, and soaked him. I said, Lord, if I ever get back, I'm going to be real skeptical about coming back out here, and I haven't been deep-sea fishing since. But you know what? You get in church service, all that story to tell you this, you get in a church service, and every once in a while, it's riding those waves, and all of a sudden, man, it goes up real high, Got so much to thank him for, and then, yeah. Boosh! <laughs> Waves go everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's because you've been out trick-or-treating. You've been out doing stuff you ain't supposed to be doing. Well, let's get off, off all of that. Well, maybe we'll come back to it. Acts chapter 28. Look in verse 1. I want to talk to you about striking serpents. Striking serpents, and not, not the fact that you're supposed to strike serpents, although I do recommend that. You ever run across a snake? You kill him first and identify him afterwards. That way he can't bite you. Amen. I do let a black snake roll around every once in a while and let him go, but the hawks will get him. But nonetheless, striking serpents, when, when the heat gets turned up, serpents start striking. That's what they do, and that's what happened here in this situation. Acts 28 verse 1, When they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. You know, it strikes me kind of interesting that barbarians know how to treat people nice. They know how to treat people with kindness, and some Christians don't. <laughs> blows, blows my mind. And bar- sorry. No, I'm not sorry. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said to themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. I mean, absolutely, they're spiritual. They've got to come to a conclusion. No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. But Paul and he shook off the beast into the fire, felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should uh, have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Well, that's really a bright observation. But Paul, he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. 
serpents. I want to talk to you about striking serpents this morning. Lord, help us, God, this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts and, and God, give me direction and help me, God, to say everything that needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. God, I do believe there's a lot of things that need to be said, God, over the course of the next couple of weeks. And I pray that you'd help me, God, to get to all of it. But, Lord, in your time, God, and deal with it, God, as you lead me and guide me. Help me, Lord, not to rush things. God, help me, Lord, to just uh, chip away, God, just as solidly and sure, surely, God, Lord, as you'd have me to do. Do what, I, do what you lead me to do and just trust you with the results. I pray, Lord, for the service this morning. God, a little bit, Lord, a... Uh, loose in here, but God, at the same time, a little bit tight, God. Uh, Lord, I don't know what that's all about, but Lord, I pray that you deal with it, God. Pray that you'd handle it, God. Pray that you'd just work it out, God. And Lord, help me as I preach this morning. I pray for the liberty, God, that comes from the Holy Spirit, God, that comes from the Holy Ghost. God, pray that you'd cut me and let me loose. God, help me to preach, God, with liberty. And God, help me, Lord, to preach with some focus. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul got bit by a snake. And the thing that you do with snakes is you just shoot them. You just kill them, chop their head off. My wife was telling me the other day that they were coming uh, to the church, I believe, uh, just past our house, and there's a fellow that lives not too far from the corner on the road where we live in the Gibson Post where it dumps out on Spanish Creek. Mr. George is his name, and he's got a bunch of chickens out there. And I guess chicken, uh, snakes like either chickens or, or chicken eggs. And they, there's a big rattlesnake out there in the road, and some fellow was out there a little squeamish about messing with that thing. And my wife said, well, I, I got a four-wheel drive truck. I'll, I'll handle that thing for you. And she did. And then he pulled it off to the side and cut his head off. That's what you do with snakes. But sometimes you don't know that the snakes are there. They're hiding somewhere. You know, you've ever heard the expression, a snake in the grass. Well, that's a snake that's hiding. That's a snake that you're not so sure where it is. And certainly, certainly there is one particular snake that we know something about, and that is the serpent, the devil. But a lot of times I think that the devil's cut some of his children loose in church. I mean, you say, why would you say that they're the children of the devil? Because they don't mind God. And I thought that that's what children do with their parents. They mind. Now, I don't know what your kids do. I don't know what your kids do, but when I was raised up, it was the expectations that we were supposed to do what mommy and daddy said. And when God saves people, there's an expectation that you do what God the Father says. And when you don't, God chastens you. Amen. I know that's repulsive to this generation because you you're so hell-bent on just doing whatever you want to do. That's why you let your kids do what they want, and that's why you don't say nothing to your grandkids when they turn into homosexuals. Of course, that starts a long time before they ever turn into homosexuals. You go to Romans chapter 1, God tell you how that process rolls out. Amen, amen, amen. Well, see, you just let that stuff go, and you let that stuff go. I don't like it no more than you do. I don't like the fact that people get caught up in that mess no more than you do. But it's, it's the way that it happens. And listen, make no, make no mistake about it. You're expected to do right. You're expected to take the right attitude about it if you're God's child. I'll tell you what, what kills churches, what kills Christians in the South. It's that you worship the golden calf called family. Yes, sir. Your family is more important than anything. And, and truly, I will say that your family is more important than your buddies. When it comes down to going out and having a good time with your buddies and making sure that your family's got food on the table, you better can your buddies and make sure that your family's fed. But let me tell you something. Your God is much more important than your kids having a four-wheeler or your kids having the latest fun you know, things get a little tight in here when a preacher starts mentioning, you ain't got no business going to Halloween. Well, what's it about? Well, it's about candy. No, it ain't. You can go get candy today. Well, it's about the kids having fun. I know, because that's what everything's about now. My kids have got to have fun. That's why a church is boring to you. What you don't realize is that the kids enjoy church more than you do. You're just looking for an excuse to criticize something around the church house. Yes, sir. Plenty more where that came from. It's right in there. You're just looking for something to get crossways with God over. I don't, I don't like the way that they're, you know, not doing things down. Let, let me ask you something. Where, where do you find? I, I'm not against youth groups per se, but can I ask you a question? If, if, your, if your idea of attending a church is whether or not a church has a youth group, let me ask you one question. 
Where do you find a youth group in the Bible? Now, there's a lot of things that you don't find in the Bible. You don't find air conditioners in the Bible, and you don't find padded pews in the Bible. And I'm thankful for all those things. If a church wants to have a youth group, I'll have no problem with that. But at the same time, where do you find that in the Scriptures? I can't go to church down there. They don't do nothing for the youth. Why don't you do something for the youth? Do it at your house. I know. I know. You're just, you're just looking for something to bellyache about because that's what snakes do. They belly ache on their belly. That's the best joke you're going to get this morning. And from the looks of some of your faces, you need some jokes. You're about to die. Amen. Either that or Pepto-Bismol or uh, what is that? Milk of magnesia. You need something this morning. You're about to choke this morning. Yes, sir. Don't you get upset about what I'm saying this morning. You've heard worse on television this week. Amen. Amen. You've got no affinity for holiness. You don't, you don't want to do it what God says. You just want to make up your own mind. To Listen, free country. I'm not going to come down to your house and you've got to do it this way. But I'm telling you, there's a holy God that lives. And if you're his child, you're going to meet with hard consequences. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's not, it's not the way of the man that's submitting himself. There's challenges. There's challenges for a man that lives godly. There's persecution. There's a degree of shame for the man that lives right. But I'm telling you, it ain't nowhere, it ain't nowhere as hard as it is for the fellow who's made up his mind looking at God and saying, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Right. Yes, sir. You, you can just count on it. You're going to have hell to pay from here until the grave until you get that thing right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But that's what snakes do. Snakes just slither around and they just just looking for somebody to take a chunk out of. Listen, we can tell, you can tell what a person is by what they minister. Can't you? Can't you? You can tell what a person is by what they minister. And when you look at the people that get around a particular person and all that has ever taken place out of the people that that person has ministered to is destruction and things are falling apart, something's not right. That's, that's just using common sense. Well, let me ask you something. The people that come into contact with you, are they better now or are they worse? Well, that says something about you one way or another. If people are better, then praise the Lord. If they're worse, you need to get right with God. You might be a snake. You might be saved and just never have dropped off the old character traits of your past, your former father. That's right. That's right. You get adopted into a new family. There's a new way to behave. There's a way to behave that brings honor to the family name, that brings honor to your heavenly father. And you just making up your mind, well, I'm going to just do this because this is the way that I've always done it. And that's just the way we southerners are, which I'm a southerner and I'm glad about it. But I'm telling you, Southern heritage does not trump biblical Christianity. Yes, sir. You've got a, there's an expectation that you submit yourself to the Lord and be obedient to God. And if you don't, you're going to let everybody know that you're not obedient. And some folks are just not ashamed about that stuff, I suppose. They're just not ashamed. The Bible says in verse 1, when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. Well, what did they escape from? When you look in chapter 27 of the book of Acts, Paul and all of the folks that were on this ship, they were on a ship and they just suffered shipwreck. And you know what? That shipwreck did not cease to go to Paul just because he was a preacher. Paul was affected by that shipwreck just the same way that everybody else on the ship was. You know whose fault it was that the ship went into shipwreck? One man. It was one man who loosed from a little island called Crete. And Paul said, mm, you, better not, you better not leave from here. And the fellow who was driving the boat trusted the captain more than he trusted Paul. And so he loosed. And sure enough, they get out there on the middle of the sea. And here comes a, a typhoon, a hurricane, a storm and lands them in a particular spot, and they have to run that ship of foreground onto a little, little place, a little island called Melita, 
And when they get there, the, the hinder ship of the of the hinder part of the ship's broken up with the violence of the waves. Well, that wasn't none of Paul's fault, but Paul felt the effects from it. That's the way it rolls. That's the way it goes in a church. Sometimes, listen, sometimes some of you folks, you're going to be members of a church somewhere. You're going to sit in a church somewhere and church, you're going to get into a church and you're going to feel the negative effects. It might be your fault. It might not. But you feel it nonetheless. You say, why? Because you're part of this church. You're part of a church. That's what happens. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Paul's fault. And it wasn't the, the fault of all those prisoners. Paul had some faults. Paul went down to preach at Jerusalem when God told him, your place is to the Gentiles. He shouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have wound up in this place on this ship. Those prisoners, obviously they did something wrong. Let me just tell you, from working eight years in a, in a, in a prison, I know this firsthand. When inmates say that they're innocent, no, sir. Listen, when you're driving a boat from the Bahamas to Miami, and your boat's loaded with 50 kilos of cocaine, you are not innocent. I don't care what you say. Man, I was innocent, man. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You think? Mm -hmm. You got hooked up with some folks that you shouldn't have got hooked up with. You're not innocent. Well, them prisoners, wasn't it? they weren't innocent. But at the same time, all of that taken into consideration wasn't their fault that the ship got wrecked. It was one man's fault. Oh, Achan, did Israel have some problems? Did Israel wandering around in the wilderness have some problems? Absolutely. But you know what? All it took was for one fella to have some covetousness in his heart and act on that covetousness, go and get a Babylonian garment, go and get some wedges of gold and some silver and hide it in the bottom of his tent. And he pulled that thing back and said, nobody will ever know. And you know what? Several people lost their lives because the next day they went out to fight against the inhabitants of Ai and lost. Joshua falls on his face and says, man, this is not what's supposed to happen to Israel when we get into the land of Canaan. God, you said that you were going to give us the victory. And you know what the Lord said? Get up off your face. Somebody's got a hold of something they ain't supposed to. Well, what do you do? You deal with it. Hey, let's draw straws. Well, let's, get, let's get about 15 pairs of dice in here this morning we'll give everybody a number and we'll roll the dice and throw it here in the floor and we'll see who's wrong this morning you want to do that no i'd just rather just preach and let the lord deal with it amen 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 you scared of that you scared of letting the lord deal with you what what am i going to do what's what's a church member going to do as far as in his own power according to the flesh but I'm telling you, you ram your head up against you ram your head up against the church, the bride of Christ, the authority that's in the church. I do believe in the authority of the church. God looked at the church in the book of Acts and said, Hey, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. He didn't go to Paul and Barnabas. He went to the church. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. That's the way things roll. You know why? Because when God does things, God does them based on authority. He's an orderly God. That was a Sunday school lesson this morning. But that's what he does. I believe in the authority of the church. So you sit and you criticize God's church and you get upset with the things that God set in order. Well, listen, man, you're getting ready to bring to yourself damnation. You're getting ready to bring to yourself condemnation. That condemnation, that damnation. I'm not talking about you dying and going to hell. I'm talking about the damnation of your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a fellow got in there and he was committing fornication with his father's wife. That was in the middle of the church of Corinth. Paul stepped back and he said, hey, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you take that fellow and deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You say, what's going on? That's God setting things in order. You say, well, why would he, why would he deliver him to, the, to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? Because Satan's standing before the Lord saying, hey, who can I devour today? One day he stood before the Lord and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Went down there and ate up everything he had. Came back the next day. Hey, he still got it, doesn't he, devil? 
That's because you won't let me touch his body. Take his health from him and he'll curse you to his face. Go ahead. You say, what is that? The devil is God's hound dog. When God wants to deal with you, all he's got to do is just turn the devil loose on you. And I know you don't believe that because that's, you, don't believe, you don't believe your Bible. You don't read it, do you? I know you don't. That's why you're dead. That's why you're deadhead this morning. That's right. So Paul comes into 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and he says, Hey, deliver him over to the devil, for the, deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Maybe something will get worked out. You know what that fellow did? He repented. 2 Corinthians, they restored him. Mm hmm. So, sometimes storms come up and you, you got to deal with it. You, how do you deal with it? You turn it over to the Lord and say, God, I need you to handle this thing. Lord, if I'm doing what's right, then Lord, how about you just go ahead and take care of it? How about you, how about you verify my word? You know what? The place, one of the turning points in my marriage when me and my wife got married. We had a lot of arguments. I know you find that hard to believe. My wife is so sweet, and I'm so sweet. Don't you believe that? Don't. Don't believe that. We're not sweet. But Lord's done a great work in us. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. One of the turning points in my marriage was when, I, when me and my wife began to have disagreements. I shut my mouth, and I started saying, Lord, if I'm right about this thing, verify my word. Deal with her about it. Just let it rest. You know what the Lord would do? The Lord would handle it. Mm -hmm. And so we as a church, storms come up. Maybe not your fault. It's the fault of one individual or whatever. You say, what do we do? We take a step back and say, God, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church, help us. And if we're not, help us to get to doing it. God, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church, help us to figure out what's going on, where we're messing up, what's foiling the direction that we're trying to go, and let's get it right, Lord. Help me. Show me. You willing to get things right if God shows you something that's wrong in your life? I know some of you ain't because I preached about it, and you still ain't got it right. I mean, you got guts enough to be bold enough to live in open sin. I got guts enough to preach about it from the pulpit. That's my, that's my job. You ain't got no business to tell me what to do. Listen, unfortunately, this goes against my personality, but unfortunately, there's a degree to which a preacher, a pastor, is called to meddle in your affairs. I don't really care much for that. I'd rather mind my own business. But when your affairs begin to affect the church, I have to get involved. That's not my fault. You did that. Yeah, you did that. You did that. That's right. You've got to be careful. Shipwreck wasn't Paul's fault, but he felt the effects of it. That's right. He was wrapped up in shipwreck because somebody just simply wouldn't follow directions. That's all it takes. One person. All it takes is one person not to just simply follow directions. I got my own agenda. I've got my own agenda. I have my own plans. You don't have any plans. Let me tell you this morning. You don't have any plans. I said it in Sunday school and I think I got a little bit of shocked faces this morning when I said, you don't know how to pastor. Who? what do you mean? Uh, if you know how to pastor, what are you doing here? Go find your church. Yes, sir. That's not arrogant. You think it's arrogant because everybody's been tiptoeing around you and being nice and not hurting your will feelings. Okay, well, listen, if, if, if that's if it is what it is, man, just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. All it takes is one person just not to submit to the Lord. Shipwreck, it affect the rest of the church. It affect the rest of the church. It affected Paul, affected the prisoners. And then you get down here and it says in verse 2, it says, The barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said to themselves, No doubt this man's a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Let me just tell you something this morning. I wouldn't, I, if I were you, and I'm just going to give you this instruction, don't take the advice of a pagan. Don't, don't trust the word of a pagan. Well, who, who's a pagan? I think you can figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. Of course, you've got a box that sits in your living room 
to where all those pagans have a world of influence in your house. You help yourself. You do whatever you want to do. But I wouldn't let that stuff sit in my house. Okay, you didn't say anything, so I guess I'm right where I need to be. You need to can your television. And listen, if you can't control your phone, get rid of your smartphone. Get you one of them dumb ones. You need something you're smarter than, right? Amen. Amen. I'm not telling you that the problem's your television or your smartphone. problem's you. But if that thing's going to be a stumbling block to you, get rid of it. Some of you fellows have trouble with things that you put in front of your eyes. Why put yourself in a situation to where the temptation is so easy to get it so accessible? You know, since we're here, let me just say a couple of things about looking at the wrong things. You know it never stops there. It never stops there. That's where it starts. How many of y'all know who Ted Bundy is? I'm not going to go into detail. Okay, well, maybe I need to go into a little detail. De- uh, Ted Bundy uh, assaulted and killed something like 18 or 20 women. They couldn't figure out who was doing it, this nice, prim, and proper fellow. You know where he got his start? His granddaddy's bathroom looking at dirty pictures. Playboy magazine. They asked him. They went into prison and talked to him after he got sentenced to the, to the hot seat and said, where did all this start? He said, Playboy magazine, my granddaddy's bathroom. It never stops there. Listen, you can't get that stuff under control. It won't be very long before you're abusing your grandchildren. Not me. It happens all the time. Went to church in Delaware, and they had a fellow in there who had his, looked like he had his family in order. Ten kids, eight of them girls, abusing all of his girls the whole time he's in that church. Oh, not us. Yes, you. Just cease to get it under control. Just let it roll, man. Just let it, let it fly however you want it to fly. And I'll tell you, it, you won't be taking it. It'll be taking you. Some of you, it's got such a stronghold already. You better get your rear end in gear and start doing something about it. Or it's going to eat you alive. And let me just say this while we're on that subject. Just because of the society where we live and just in case you're uh, a child molester sympathizer, I am not. I find, a fella, I find out that a fella in this building is abusing little children. You will not be welcome here. Amen. Amen. You fi- I find out that you in some manner have violated the trust of society by abusing someone to that degree. Not welcome here. Well, don't you want them to get help? I do. They can get it at home. Download sermons off the internet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't care whether you like that or not. Find you a church where they let all the pedophiles in. I mean, they're ordaining them. They're, they're, putting, them, they're putting them in churches. That's what most of you Catholic priests are. I mean, since, we, since we've done transgressed that area and killed the church service, let's just plow here for a little bit this morning. They've done, they're ordaining all these suckers, telling them that they can't get married, and so they've got to find an outlet somewhere, so here we've got a little altar boy. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you putting them into the ministry. So now you're looking at lesbians and you're looking at homosexuals and saying, well, I don't think there's any problem with ordaining them to the ministry. You're out of your mind. You've lost your ever-loving mind. Going to look at that stuff and feel sorry for people like that? You, you are a reprobate. You're a reprobate this morning. You need to get somewhere and get along with God and say, God, I'm sorry for how jaded my emotions are. I hope it makes you feel uncomfortable this morning. I hope it makes you feel uncomfortable this morning. You ain't going to get right by some fella getting up here and giving you a sloppy kiss. Try that for a couple of months and you just weasel around and just lay around and think that everything's going to roll right. Get your dirty, rotten heart right with God. Quit looking at the television and thinking it's all right. I'm a little bit ashamed to identify myself as a Republican, and I am not a Democrat. But I'm ashamed to almost identify myself as a Republican because the Republicans ain't hardly against homosexual marriage. I, listen, I, I vote a particular way, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to wear a Republican as a label. I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible believer. That affects the way that I vote. That affects the way that I live. That affects the way I look at things. I'm not going to sit here and just because my political party 
is going over and sanctioning homosexuals and saying, well, it's just, it's just the way that they're born. Yeah, sinners! Sinners! The Bible says in Genesis 13, 13. 13's number of rebellion, by the way. I said it's the number of rebellion. Genesis 13, 13. And the men of Sodom were sinners. Homosexuals. They're sinners before the Lord. Exceedingly. Oh, I got a grandbaby that's a homosexual. They're wrong. I got an aunt that's a homosexual. She's wrong. I don't care if it I don't care who it hits, man. It's wrong. You get your attitude right with God. God, God ain't changing his stance just because you got some family member that gets wrapped up in that garbage. God ain't changed his mind toward child abusers and murderers and rapers. God ain't changing his mind just because it's your cotton-picking family. You change yours. The reason your family's probably in the mess that it's in is because you wouldn't change your mind. Your family started drifting a particular way and you just softened your stance on that mess. You get right. God ain't changing his mind towards that mess. Some of you sitting in here in open fornication and adultery and you want the church to accept that stuff. Church ain't accepting it. This church ain't going to sanction it. You get your rotten heart right with God. I don't like that kind of preaching. There's tons of churches all around here that won't preach that way. I want you to go. I want you to get right long as you're willing to sit here and have God deal with your heart about that particular thing, I'm willing to put up with you. But I will tell you, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to get that stuff right. Yes, sir, you're going to have to get that stuff right with God. About time we stop dilly-dallying around and prancing around on people's tiptoes making sure we don't offend nobody. I need to exercise more. Give me a second. I'll catch my breath. I ain't ain't run a mile in a long time. Running a marathon this morning. Pagans, barbarians. No doubt this man's a murderer. What do you know about spiritual things? What's What's a barbarian know about spiritual things? He don't know nothing. You say, how? Why would you say that he don't know nothing? Well, just a little bit later, they changed their mind and said, "Oh, he's a god." Uh, that, that's about how much spiritual discernment some folks have. You know what a barbarian does? He does what a lot of Christians do. He tries to get his discernment from what's going on in the circumstances. That's the only way he can figure life out. Oh, this must be because blah, 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 blah. You know, a black cat cross your path, and then all of a sudden you get in a car wreck. Oh, bad luck! Black, black cat cross your path, you've got to come up with some voodoo thing, turn your hat around backwards and throw salt over your shoulder. You say, what is that? That's voodoo. Break a, break a mirror and you got seven years bad luck. Don't you break none of our brand new windows. You break our windows and you will have seven minutes of bad luck. I guarantee you that. I'm going to try to get you to laugh a little bit there. But I'm serious. Don't break our windows. I say that and now the Lord will let one of them get broke. Lord, help us. That's what pagans do. That's what barbarians do. They look at the situation and they say, well, this must be happening because of this. Well, how about you open the Bible? How about you get in touch with God and get your discernment from God? I'll tell you you what would cure some of y'all's problems. Start reading 20 pages in your Bible every day. I don't care how much you read. That's between you and the Lord. But you ain't reading nothing, so let me just give you a standard to abide by. Read 20 pages. I couldn't read that much. And I, I tell you, some of you, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence or nothing like that. Some of you, it probably is a chore to read. I don't mean that in any kind of mean way. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I understand people, some folks just have trouble reading. And maybe all you can read is five minutes or five pages and that'll take you an hour. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. But I tell you, some of you suckers can sit down and read the funnies comics in a Sunday newspaper and you can sit down and read sports stats and you won't touch a Bible. 
Well, it's no wonder you ain't got no discernment. It's no wonder you can't figure out what's going on in your life. you got to start somewhere, man. Pick your Bible up and start reading. And listen, let me give you some advice. We'll go through this eventually at some point you stick around. Get your King James. Don't you mess around with these new versions. You take a King James. You buy you a King James. If you got a different version, I'm not being a jerk to you. I'm trying to help you. You take a King James and lay your new version next to the side of it and start comparing what it says. And you'll find before too long, before you get out of one or two chapters, you'll find that words have been changed. They're not the same. And you say, well, the meaning's the same. Listen, you don't change words and have the same meaning. It just don't happen. Get you a King James Bible. Well, at my old church they did, okay, then that's why your old church is in the shape that it's in. That's why all the women down there run it. That's why all the kids act like a bunch of hell. You see, oh, ooh, hold on. You can't talk about the women running things. You know what I find real interesting? In 1 Corinthians 14, we was there this morning. I mean, since everybody seized up there, let's just go to 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, we was here this morning in Sunday school. I'm just going to point out a little something. God's talking about order when it comes to speaking in tongues in a church service, which we don't do that around here. And it's not because we don't believe in speaking in tongues. It's just what you think about speaking in tongues is not what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a foreign language. It's not some unknown language that only angels understand. You don't know. Just hush your mouth. Just stick around. We'll deal with that stuff. We, we really will. Ask me questions. I'll be glad to take my Bible and show you. Of course, probably can't come up with that stuff off the cuff. But nonetheless, he says right here, he said, he's talking about order. And he says, for God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You, you get order in place, peace comes out of that. Look at the next verse. Let your women keep silence in the churches. What, find, what I find real interesting is that the way that God establishes peace in the churches is by making all the ladies hush. Now, you know what I just did by saying that? I'm really picking. Because in the context, in the context, it's talking about leadership. We have ladies, Miss Joyce got up here and gave a testimony. She per, had perfect liberty to do something like that. So I'm picking. But you know what I did by telling that joke? I just drew a line in the sand and it showed what side you were on. You mad as fire about that? You upset about that? Because you take yourself too serious. Mm -hmm. That's because down at the house, you run everything. And how dare, how dare my husband tell me to hush my mouth? Have I ever told you to hush your mouth? She's still married to me. Of course, if she leaves, I'm going with her. I told her a couple of times, I said, you don't like it here, you can pack your bags and go back and live with your daddy. And I meant it. What I didn't tell her is that if she did that, I was packing mine and going to live with her daddy too. I didn't want her to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About time some of you fellas got enough guts to do stuff like that. You don't have to do that and be a jerk. But I tell you what, I tell you what, what this has to do with serpent striking, I'm not sure. But we're here, and so I'm just going to, I'll tell you what's going on. Your wife is craving some leadership. She, she won't admit that, but she's craving some leadership. And you're so lethargic that you won't provide it. And so what she does by nagging on you is she's trying to get you to provide her the leadership that she wants. You know what a woman wants? Oh, I could write a book. Here we go. <laughs> you know what? You, uh, and I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. I had somebody tell me this at my daddy. He said a woman values security. That's why a woman don't want to live on the road if she's normal. As far as being a hippie is what I'm talking about. You might want to grab an RV and travel around the country. Help yourself. But she wants to know where she's going to lay her head at night. And when that gets threatened, boy, it throws things into disarray. Well, that principle goes throughout her entire life. She likes security. And one of the ways that you provide security is by providing direction. I'm not talking about being a micromanager or being a tyrant but you provide direction. 
Let me stop right here and just say this in here. Some of you folks, I, I suppose, you have a problem with the things that my wife does around here. Let me just tell you something. There's not a thing around this church that my wife does that she does not first come and ask me. I didn't ask her to do that. Of course, that's how I run my home. I run it. I run it. I rule it. She hasn't left yet, praise the Lord. She had plenty of opportunities to do that, but she ain't left yet. Must be doing something right. I mean, your wife's so mad at you, she's about ready to pack her bags and leave. Why don't you just tell her to shut her mouth and just rule your house? Just rule it, man. You don't have to be a jerk, but take the charge. Give her some direction. I guarantee you, she won't appreciate it at the moment, especially with some of the looks that I'm getting. She won't appreciate it at the moment, but I guarantee you, in the long run, she'll appreciate it. Because if something goes wrong, you know whose fault it is? It's not hers. It's yours. Mm -hmm. That's not rocket science, but boy, that's something that's so foreign to this country. Something that's so foreign to our churches. You know, the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church is likened to a bride and her groom. You know why the church has no idea how to operate? It's because homes don't know how to operate anymore. You won't submit to Jesus Christ because your home's set up to where mama doesn't do what daddy said. It's not the law of dad. It's mom who's a maverick. She's a loose cannon. That's not the way that God set it up. You can get upset about that. You can get upset about that and bang your head against the wall. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, you go home and do it your way. And you're going to meet with heartache. Oh, my family's fine. Let's see in 20 years. Brother Curtis, have they not come in here and sat in this church, listened to preaching just like that, and now they're divorced? I know of two off the top of my head just like that. Heard preaching just the same way, said, no thanks, we'll do it our way. Mama ran everything, and now they're divorced. Do what you want. I hope, I hope you get right with the Lord, though. I hope you get right with the Lord. Anyways, pagans, they, don't, they, don't, they ain't got no sense. Wrong influence. Wrong influence. Listening to folks that ain't got no idea how to do things. Let me get on with the message. I'll cut you loose. Listen to me. You know what Paul did? The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, I believe it is, he that breaketh an hedge, a serpent will bite him. It's going to bite him. And so what Paul does is they build a fire, and Paul says, well, hey, man, I'll just contribute to the fire. You know what I'm trying to do this morning? Trying to build a fire. Just trying to build a fire. You know why? Some people are cold. They need to warm up. That's right. Some folks are in darkness. They need some light. Some will try and build a fire. You know what some folks in the church will do? They'll go find some wood. And they'll bring it and they'll try and put it on the fire and make that fire a little bit bigger. But you know, the moment that you do that, you know, we got some bushes out here that got leaves on them and they got a bunch of sticks. You know what those things are called? They're called hedges. The Bible says when you break a hedge, a serpent's going to bite you. The moment that you try and get involved trying to help a local church and trying to help somebody build a fire, somebody's going to come out and bite you. That's the way it works. You know what's keeping a lot of you folks from serving God? Because you have this in your mind that if I serve God, everything's going to work out. And it will in the end. But you're going to have some heartache on the way. A lot of your family is going to be upset with you for making the stance that you make. You start taking the attitude that I preached to you about this morning as far as this attitude towards these pedophiles and perverts, because that's what they are. Homosexuality is not normal. You're a pervert if you endorse that mess. You are a pervert. Uh, let me back that up and say this. You're a sorry sapsucker looking for a vote. None of them suckers will send their, their kids to a public school where all that stuff is going on. You say, what are they doing? They're fishing for a vote. That goes for Donald Trump and all the rest of them. I like, I like some, a lot of the things that Donald Trump's going for. That, that's where my vote's going. But I'm telling you, I am not putting my trust in Donald Trump to bring this country back spiritually. It's your job. 
It's the Holy Spirit's job. God's got to use you. Holy Spirit's got to operate through you in God's book. That's what's wrong with some of you this morning. You're so, probably so tense over the fact that this is election week. Oh, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. If you don't start opening your mouth about what's right, you're not going to have a country that's fit for your grandkids to live in. You better start saying something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the reason you quit talking is because your preacher quit talking. You quit talking because you ain't got no example of a preacher that's willing to step out in front of somebody and say, I don't give a flip what you think about that. You are flat dead wrong. It's the way it works. You break a hedge, go get some wood. You break a hedge, go get some wood to put it on the fire and help start and get a, a, a church established and get it rolling and moving. You know what's going to happen? Something's going to jump out and bite you. He that breaketh an hedge, a serpent's going to bite him. You say, well, I thought hedges were a good thing, and usually hedges in the Bible are a good thing. But take your Bible and look over there in the book of Jude very quickly. Try and wrap this up as quickly as I can. Jude, look in the book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. The book of Jude. The book of Jude. A hedge is something that separates things. You get on one side of the hedge, you're separated from whatever's on the other side. Look here, Revel, uh, I'm sorry, Jude, verse 19, only one chapter. You'd be able to find that chapter. But verse 19, these be they who separate themselves. Oh, separation, that's good. Not here. They separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. That's a bad separation. You say, who is that? Well, look in verse 4. This is who he's talking about. There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's perversion. Well, I think God, God's a God of grace, and so God will put up with me in the middle of my adultery and fornication and homosexuality. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's those that are separate. They separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Argue with the book, man. If you don't like it, argue with the book. I didn't write it. I'm just preaching it this morning. Well, you know how you can spot folks like that? Look in verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers. Always got something to say about what you don't like going on in a church. Who cares? You're going to take the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness? You have no business putting any input on what you don't like about a church. You're a barbarian. You're the kind of guy who one second will say, Oh, God's going to get him. And then when nothing happens, you go, Oh, I guess he's a God. You ain't got no discernment. Just shut your mouth. You're too busy whining and complaining. Here's the problem walking after their own lusts. Problem is you want to do what your flesh wants to do. And the moment that a preacher stands up and starts breaking down that hedge, grabs up and he grabs those sticks and he starts pulling them apart and he starts separating, he starts exposing the thing that's separating you and your God. When Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, what did they do? The first thing, they were naked. The first thing that they did when they transgressed against God, put something between them and God. The Bible says that they made aprons. That's something that covers the front. I looked it up in a dictionary. Strange. Strange that they weren't concerned about being naked in the back. You say, why? Putting something in between them and God. That's what they're concerned about. When a preacher reaches up there and grabs those sticks and starts pulling them apart and throwing them on the fire, you know what happens? Snake comes out. You know what the preacher's got to do? Shake it off. I told you this morning, treat you like a fly on my pudding. Chew fly. Don't bother me. Don't you care about people? Absolutely. I, want to, I don't care as much as God cares, though. I'm just a, just a person. But I want to. Aren't you gracious with people? Absolutely. I'm not nearly as gracious as the Lord is, though. 
You know what the problem is in our society? Churches and preachers and Christians have become more gracious than God. You're letting things slide that God would never dream of letting slide. Absolutely. Stop it. Pull them apart. Pull, them, pull that hedge down. Pull that hedge down. Throw it on the fire. Well, boy, serpents are going to come out and bite. Shake it off. Shake it off. Keep building the fire. Keep building the fire. There's people sitting in this church that need you to make this church a fire, need you to make it bigger. You say, why? They're cold. They're blind. They're in darkness. Let me ask you something, church member. You member of People's Baptist Church? Look up here and listen to me. Let me ask you something. What have you done to make this church a better church? Have you prayed? Been reading your Bible and studying? You know that we've got a lot of visitors in here this morning. You visiting this morning, glad you're here. I appreciate it. Glad you came. I hope, I hope the Lord dealt with you about something. But you know what? The responsibility of you as a church member, People's Baptist Church, your responsibilities to take that wood and throw it on the fire. You'd been doing it. You'd just been letting it ride. You just ride on the blessings of what everybody else is doing. Amen. Amen. How about it? How about it? Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your mercy and grace. God, I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, deal with our hearts, God, and help us, Lord, to make this church, God, what we should be the pillar and ground of the truth, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, and I say make the church that. Lord, it is that, Lord, by nature. God, I pray that you'd help us, God, not to try to make it something that it isn't. God, to make it something, Lord, that's distracted with something else that makes no difference. God, help us, Lord, to be who you've made us to be as the bride of Christ. Lord, help us, God, to be that salt of the earth. Help us, God, to be that, that person that's mentioned in 2 Thessalonians that says, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. God, I know one day, God, we're going to be taken out of here by the rapture, and Lord, our influence will be gone. God, help us, Lord, to keep influence in this world until we're gone. Help us, God, to keep being a burr in this world's saddle until we're gone. Lord, help us, God, help us to do right. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.